Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Chapter 4. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture there, and then we're going to go over to Acts 10. And uh, I'm going to read this passage, uh, Philippians chapter 4, and verses 6 and 7 tonight. And then uh, we're going to move over to Acts chapter 10. This is going to be a foundational scripture, and uh, uh, I'm going to take a couple of weeks on, uh, as like what I mentioned to you, I want to talk about uh, prayer, the element of change. And I want to talk tonight a little bit about the power of prayer. And I don't want to talk about how to pray, because as I said in the open, we've all learned uh, many ways in how to pray. And uh, I was telling the prayer group this week that I don't know if, if you all remember Bob Perdue, some of you who have been around Madison, or if you're part of these, if you've been in the Assembly of God Church, Bob Perdue was a, a pastor that used to come to our church, and he taught on prayer for years. That's all he taught on. He ended up down with Pastor Bob Rogers for years, and every meeting he did, he pastored up Mark, Mount, Mount Carmel in Cincinnati, on the east side of Cincinnati, and he taught on prayer. He was a great teacher on prayer, and uh, I remember he used to say, I told the prayer group this week, I said, I remember he used to say, when you had struggle in praying, and you didn't know what to pray or how to pray, he said it's always good to go through the scripture and take prayer patterns out of the scripture and begin to pray those prayer patterns. So whenever I got to the place where I struggled in like how to pray or what to pray or when to pray or uh, come up with words, I mean, we've all sat down and tried to pray and, and we're like, well, I'm kind of lost for words today. Lord, bless my dog and bless my flowers and you know you, you kind of struggle and it takes a, a while before you can get into that that position of intercession where you feel like you're praying and uh, he used to say pray prayer, prayer patterns so I used to take things like the temple in the Old Testament and the tabernacle and I would pray through the tabernacle as part of my prayer life I'd pray the outer court the uh, inner court and the most holy of holies and I would pray all the all the elements that are in the temple and in the you know, and I would pray them and apply them to my life. I'd pray Psalms 23, and I would take each, each verse of Psalms 23 and pray and play it, apply it to my life. And Matthew 6, and there's many prayer patterns. Isaiah 58, uh, Isaiah 7, or, uh, Psalm 78. I mean, there are many, many prayer patterns in Scripture. Uh, Psalms 1 uh, is a great prayer pattern. And so you could take these prayer patterns and you can pray them. And, and he used to say, you know, pray a, a prayer pattern. You know, but one, it's one thing to know how to pray, but we also, what makes knowing how to pray important is that understanding why we pray. Why do we pray? Why do we need prayer in our life? Why do we need to spend time in praying for God? And uh, uh, recently when I was studying and I was preparing for a sermon not too long ago, I came across... Um, that 3% of Christians have read through their Bibles. 3% have read through the Bible one time in all their life. 3% of all Christians, and only 9% of Christians uh, uh, read the Bible daily. And so that tells you uh, the Word of God. And I, and I don't know what the statistics are on prayer, but if you're not reading your Bible, you're probably not praying. And so I want to talk a little bit tonight about how to pray. But I want to use this passage of Scripture because it's a great passage. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Isn't that a great passage of Scripture to begin with? And uh, if you would, turn over to the book of Acts chapter 10, and we're going to get into the book of Acts in just a second. You know, uh, it wouldn't be the first time that I would be accused of being a little weird, but um, uh, sometimes one of the things that I do, and I'm just going to give you a story from a recent uh, portion of my life just because it's, it's fresh and it's relevant, and I want to use it as an illustration tonight. But one of the things that I have done over the years and, uh, is that uh, when God has answered some prayer in my life, I usually, if, uh, say, God answered a prayer in a particular area, I would usually keep something that would remind me that God answers prayer. I have things on my desk at home that on my desk, they are reminders to me that God answers prayer. How I many you know it's, it's good to remind yourself that God answers prayer? I've got a couple of things in my drawer, my desk, that, that are reminders to me that God answers prayer. I have a picture of my wife on our wedding day, and I have a picture of her on my desk on our honeymoon, and it was a picture that was taken at one of those photo things that you get into and you put a quarter in, and then you smile and you take pictures. Well, it was a picture of her on our honeymoon back in 1991, y'all. Now, that's almost 30 years ago. Can you believe they've been married that long? Praise God. Almost 30 years. And, uh, and it's a picture of her. And I put that on my desk because I always want to be reminded that when God brought her into my life, he answered prayer. And it's a reminder. I have pictures on my desk of reminders of God's answered prayer in my life. I have uh, uh, all those things. So on my desk at home, I have a plane ticket. And there's a plane ticket and it's a reminder to me that God answers prayer. On the plane ticket, it's an American Airlines plane ticket. It's American Airlines Flight 24, uh, 28 from uh, Cincinnati, Ohio to Seattle, Washington. And uh, that plane ticket is on my desk for a reason because a few months ago when I, I was sitting listening to a Zoom call with a pastor friend of mine, Brian Gibson, I was hearing him talk about what was going on in Seattle and CHOP, and all of a sudden something stirred in my spirit, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. I had been in prayer that morning. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to Seattle. I want you to go to CHOP. That was on a Thursday morning. I said, Lord, I don't have the money to go. I, I don't even, you know, uh, and, that's, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, cheap trip. It was sudden. So how many know to try to get an airline ticket uh, in a day or two, uh, to leave in a day or two? How many know that's not easy to do? And uh, that that's not, but I knew God wanted me to go. I told my wife that. I even told you that when I got up on Thursday and, 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 and shared that I felt like the Lord was leading me. Brian was saying, hey, I think you need to go. And I knew the Lord spoke to me. And I knew it'd be a miracle to go in order for me to go. Now on Sunday, I, I didn't have anything. I didn't, I, I didn't, <laughs> I prayed. I knew God was going to go. We were leaving on Tuesday. We were, no, we were leaving on Monday and it was Sunday, Sunday night. And I didn't have, no, we were leaving on Tuesday, and it was Sunday night, and I still didn't think that that was going to work out. I, I came to prayer and prayed that morning, and as I was praying, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me, and he gave me a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 24, and it was a, it was a Scripture the Lord showed me, and I knew that I was supposed to go, and i like, Lord, I have no money, I have no, no nothing. Well, little did I know that when I walked into the office on Monday morning, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor, somebody has blessed me with a gift. They came up, they came to me and said, somebody's blessed me with a gift. I want to make sure that you are able to go to Seattle. And, and so they were able to sow into 
uh, me being able to go. That was on a Monday. I flew out on Tuesday. And get this, y'all. We went on to get to try to find airlines. I said, well, it's going to be a miracle because I'm not going to get a plane ticket because I know they're going to be astronomical. So the first plane tickets that I saw were 3500 were 2500 were 1500 2000 And then all of a sudden, I refreshed my, my uh, uh, the per, uh, uh, Montana was helping me, and she was on her phone trying to, and I was on mine, and we were refreshing, and she refreshed her phone, and a plane ticket came up for $500. Isn't that amazing? And underneath it, there was one left. One left, and underneath it, every ticket was $1,500. I said, buy it, get it, hurry, hurry, hit that. And, uh, and got that ticket. And when I got to Seattle, uh, um, you know, I mean, it was just amazing what God did. And, and what happened there was, was life-changing for me in many, many, many ways, so many ways. And so I kept that plane ticket because I knew that was a moment in my life when God answered prayer for me. And I knew it was an answered prayer because I know that what I experienced there has put me on a trajectory in my spirit that I'll never forget that experience and what has happened. But what happened was in that ticket is that somebody in prayer heard uh, the voice of God gave money to someone else and turned that person in prayer, uh, heard God and gave money and said, I, I want to help you go to Seattle and sowed that into my life as I was praying. And God said, I want you to go. And so God used somebody that lives on the other side of the country to sow money into somebody else's life so that when they prayed, the Lord spoke to them. And so had I not been praying and had they not been praying, they never would have heard the voice of God. Y'all see what I'm going with this? And so it's a reminder that God answers prayer. And we have to understand why. Why, why do we pray? Why, that, why, uh, why do we pray? It's not just how we pray, but why do we pray? If we understand why, it makes the how much more important. If we understand why, we understand that, that, that it, you want to pray. When you understand why you pray, you want to pray. You've got to pray. Prayer is the element that brings change in our lives. Prayer is the element. And and as you see on the screen there, I use prayer as a chemistry element because it is. Prayer is the thing that adds and changes and has the ability to transform our lives in a powerful way. Now, you've heard many sermons on prayer. And my desire tonight is not to bore you on prayer because we hear it and then we sometimes dismiss it. But the truth is, we are all, all of us are walking a journey and all of us are learning how to communicate with God. And before we develop how we pray, we must understand the importance of why we pray. And, uh, you know, I have a couple of prayer journals and uh, I have about four on my desk. And, and when I go and pray, I usually write scriptures down or what God is speaking to me. Uh, I never write personal stuff in there like what I'm praying for you about or whatever, anything like that. But I often, God will give me quotes or things and I'll write down. And many times I'll go back in those journals and read those quotes. But there's a couple of quotes that I love always reading uh, that always come to my mind. And uh, in those prayer journals, uh, I put these two quotes in every one of my prayer journals uh, because I, I read through them. And, and I, I love that it reminds me. And one of them is from a woman who is a hero of mine. I've never met her, of course, 
But uh, she died probably in the late 70s, early 80s. You all probably know who she is. She, was, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And uh, she survived the consecration camps um, of, of Germany. And her name is Cory Ten Boon. I don't know if you've read anything on Cory Ten Boon. If you've never read The Hiding Place, you need to get that and read that book. It'll transform your life. But she has a quote, and I love this, what she says about prayer. This is what she says. She said, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. (laughs) The more I pray, the more coincidences happen. In other words, I don't call them coincidences. I call them godsidences. Because the more we pray, the more godsidences happen in our life. She went on to say that God, God is doing, when God does something, and, and when God does a coincidence, God is doing something and he's remaining anonymous. In other words, when we have a God quidence or whatever you want to call it, it's God doing something but remaining anonymous. Now, the world would call it a coincidence. We just know that it's God. How many of you know that there's times that you've prayed, God has answered your prayer, and you know that only God could have brought about what he did? And the more I pray, the more I notice that God is doing things. The more you pray, the more you notice that God's at work. The more you're aware that God is at work. The second quote that I like, that I write in all my prayer books, is come from a Scottish preacher who lived in the 18th or 19th century. Many of you know him. Uh, uh, he's one of the great writers on prayer. And his name is Andrew Murray. He's a great prayer writer, wrote many books on prayer. One of my favorite that he wrote that I read when I was a young Christian was two books. One was called With Christ and the School of Prayer. But my favorite book that he wrote was called Intercession. And it was a book on intercession. And I read that and and I didn't even know what intercession was until I read that book. It gave me a perspective on intercession and prayer. And so uh, uh, one of his quotes was in one of these books, I don't know which one it was, but I remember this quote. I've wrote it in my prayer journal for years. And it says, when I work, I work. When, when I pray, God works. How many know that's a good quote? When I work, I work. But when I pray, God works. And, and we know that God is always one who is always working on our behalf when we pray. But I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that is the motivation to me of why I get up every day and want to pray. In this passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 10, I want you to see this passage of Scripture is what motivates me to get up and pray every day and seek God. This is my American Airlines uh, Flight 24 or 30, 24, 28. This is my American Airlines ticket. This is, gut, this is the prayer passage that, that has stirred my heart to show me that the importance of prayer in my life will always be an importance. And it's not so much how you pray, but we need to understand why we need to pray. Why it's important. Do you know we need to pray now more than we've ever prayed in the history of the church? I'm telling you right now, Christians ought to be on their face right now seeking God in a powerful... Our nation is in a crisis, y'all. There is a breakdown that is happening. Just 45 miles from where you live right now, there is a national breakdown and a crisis in our nation. And you say, well, it's not in my backyard, but I want to tell you, it may not be in your backyard, but it's in the world you live in, and it will have an effect on your life. We need, we need a move of God. We need a return back to God. We need God to do a powerful thing in our life. In the book of Acts chapter 10, the passage of Scripture is, a, is an interesting passage of Scripture. 
In this passage, you're going to see in a unique answer to prayer that God brings in this passage of Scripture. Now, we're going to read just through a few verses here, and then I'll, I'll just kind of quote as we go through. Beginning in verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. Now, he was an Italian. He was an Italian, y'all. He liked spaghetti and meatballs and pasta and all that stuff. And so he was like the Italian stallion. He was, uh, uh, he was, a, he was a centurion. He was an Italian. He was a Roman, really. A devout man and one who feared God and went with all his household and who gave alms generously. Now, he was a man who feared God and he gave alms generously. But look at the, the next phrase of the last part of verse 2. It said, and prayed to God how often? Always. He was a man of prayer. He was a man that continually prayed all the time. Matter of fact, we know that he was a continual prayer because of what verse 3 tells us. Verse 3 tells us about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, that's, that, that's experience with God if you've got an angel that shows up. Verse 4, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up, come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those whom waited on him continually. And verse 8 so when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, what did he do? He sent them to Joppa. He sent them out. Joppa was 17 miles from where they were there in Caesarea. 17 miles. He sent these three men out on a journey, 17 miles. He's in prayer at the ninth hour of the day. In the middle of prayer, an angel visits him, speaks to him, and says, I want you to send three men to Joppa. I want you to look for a man named Peter. Uh, he stand with a tanner by the name of, of Simon. And I want you to find him and, 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 and send them on their way. Okay. And the Bible tells us in verse 9, uh, it says, uh, and he sent them to Joppa. And verse 9 says, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city. Now, they've left. They're gone. Uh, he, he is, he is, Cornelius has prayed. God spoke to him. He obeyed. He sent them. And on their way, the next day, as they went their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, right? That's what it says. And then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he, he fell into a trance. And saw the heavens open up and an object like a, like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Lord, no, for I have not eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time 
and what God has cleansed, you must not call common. So this was done three times. Now, he had to do this three times to Peter. Of course, he was Peter. And God had to do that three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. And so here we have Peter. He went up uh, in verse 9. As they are on their way to the city, Peter, he comes in. And uh, he goes up on the housetop. and, uh, uh, And as he is up there, he comes into a trance. And the Bible says something that is interesting. And verse 2 and verse 9 gives us two clues to this encounter that's about ready to happen between this Italian who is a Roman soldier or centurion and Peter who is a Jew. In verse 2, it tells us that Cornelius prayed at what hour of the day? The ninth hour of the day. And the Bible tells us in verse 9 that Peter prayed at what? The sixth hour of the day. Matter of fact, the Bible says Peter came in, and as he came in, he was hungry. And uh, it's kind of like men, like we do, we come in and we're like, hey, I'm hungry, <laughs> right? Uh, fix me something to eat. And so he must have went in and turned on Fox News, and there wasn't nothing interesting on there. He tried CNN, he got mad, he turned it off, and he decided that he was going to go up on the rooftop. And, uh, and as he went up, he decided he was going to go up and pray. At the sixth hour, he decided he was going to go pray. Now, Cornelius' prayer at the ninth hour was what, what we would call a traditional prayer. It was the ninth hour of the day that all Jews and believers would pray. That was the temple hour of prayer. That was the traditional hour of prayer. When we come together on Sundays, we pray. On Thursdays, we pray. We come on an intercession, we pray, or we pray in the mornings, we come and pray. That is our common prayer. But Cornelius, he prayed at a traditional time, but Peter prayed at the sixth hour. Peter was just praying because he was spontaneously praying. He was just throwing a prayer up. It was a time he just, he just wanted to pray. But, but while the Bible said that while they made Peter's meal ready, He went into a trance, and what happened in verses 12 through 14 uh, tells us this. It were in in all kinds of uh, uh, four-footed animals of the earth. Peter has this encounter. He says, not so, Lord. There's no way this could be. And uh, the Lord had done this three times. And verse 17 says, now while Peter, wondering within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius in, in, in Caesarea 17 miles before had made inquiry of Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now, I want you all to see something. There's a miracle here. The first miracle that you got to see in this passage is the Bible said the men came and sought directions to Peter's house. Y'all get it? The men sought directions to Peter's house. The first miracle is the men sought direction to Peter's house. (laughs) That's the first miracle. Because how many of y'all know men don't ask for directions? Amen. All the ladies said amen. That's the first miracle that we see that is happening in the midst of this. But it said in verse 17 that these men asked for direction, and now they appeared before the gate. Now they were at the gate. And if you read down to verse 23, the Bible tells us this. It says, 
and, and he invited them in and lodged, and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, here's what's interesting. Here, Peter, he, 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 he receives these men. They knock on his door. They show up. These were sent by Cornelius, who prayed at the ninth hour. Peter had been praying, knew they were coming. They showed up. Peter invited them in. The next day, Peter goes with them to Cornelius' house, right? And the Bible later tells us that when he gets to Cornelius' house, he begins to preach, he begins to teach, he begins to share Christ. And verse 4, I'm even going somewhere this morning, y'all, tonight, y'all stay with me. Verse 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all of those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. In other words, the Jews saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit fall upon Cornelius' house. They became amazed. Why were they amazed? They were amazed because they didn't believe the Gentiles belonged to God. And here in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fell on the Jews. But in Acts 10, the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. This is our Pentecost. Acts 2 was for the Jews. Acts 10 is for you and I. And here's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were amazed. And as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues, magnified God. Then Peter answered. Listen, here Peter came and he preached and, 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 and the Holy Spirit poured out And the reason he was there was because Cornelius had prayed and God spoke to him and Peter had prayed and God spoke to him. Cornelius prayed at a traditional prayer at a traditional time and here we had Peter who just felt led to pray and he went up and prayed at a spontaneous prayer and God gave a vision to both of them and now God through the obedience of both men in prayer, God intersected their lives, and now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon the Jews. Now, that's a powerful verse. I don't know about you, but this is the why, this is the why instead of the how. Why we pray. I'm going to give you three words why we pray, and then we'll talk a minute about it. I want to show you how important it is and how important these three words are. I want to give you three words. I want to give you the word direction, Availability and refreshment. Three words of why we pray. Direction, availability, and refreshment. You say, well, you got to explain that. Well, let me explain it to you. Prayer given, prayer gives all of us our next steps. When we pray for direction, prayer gives you and I our next step. The word direction, when we begin to pray, and we begin to pray for direction, prayer gives you and I our next steps in life. Direction you never would have had if you didn't pray. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't get direction from God unless you pray. In other words, it's inside information. Prayer, God gives you inside information. It's in this prayer. How do you know that, Pastor? Well, if Cornelius doesn't pray, then how does he know about Joppa? How does he know about Peter? How does he know about uh, uh, Simon the uh, Tanner? How does he know he never would have known this and, and he never would have known what he was supposed to do? 
Had Cornelius not prayed and sought God, he never would have been used by God to intersect his life and bring an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not only on on him, but on all of those Gentiles that were around him. See, when I pray, three things happen when we pray. When we begin to pray, there's three things that happen. Number one, you go places you never would have gone. Two, you meet people you never would have met. And three, you go through doors that never would have been opened for you to go through. When you continue to pray, you begin, you will meet people that you never would have met when you pray. You will go places you never would have gone when you pray. When you pray, God will open doors for you that never would have been open had you not prayed. In other words, prayer, why do we pray? We pray because God wants to direct us and lead us in our life. It's, it, it, to not pray is really, to not pray, pray really makes a really boring Christian life. <laughs> because you know what? Prayer brings excitement into your life. Prayer intersects two worlds that, that not, never would have met and, and really was really impossible to me. You say, well, that's important. It wasn't just that, that, that Peter was a Jew and Cornelius was a Gentile. It wasn't just the racial issue. It was a Jew and a Gentile. It was a Jew who never would go into a Gentile's house and eat. He never would have done that. He never would have gone into Cornelius' house because Jewish law would never have allowed him to do that had he not had the vision and prayed and God showed him that it was clean, that what God has cleansed was clean. He never would have gone into uh, that place. And, and, and the thing is, Peter never would have met Cornelius. It never, there never would have been a connection Peter got to go someplace he never would have got. He got to meet someone he never would have met. And the doors opened for him to minister the, 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 the Spirit of God and pour out on people that never would have happened had he not been available, had he not sought direction from God in prayer. I'm here to tell you that prayer is powerful. It has the ability to change our lives. Only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Only God could have made that difference. It's interesting because the last few months in our area, we've had pastors getting together, and we've been on Zoom calls, and we've been, we have met uh, down at Bicentennial Park as a group, and we've prayed for one another. And I've got to know some pastors in the area that for years I have not gotten to know. And, and uh, in the course of that time, uh, some of these pastors are sharing their heart, some of the scars that are in their life, some of the things that they've battled, some of the things that they've gone through. And, and you, 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 you hear their heart, you hear what their vision is, you hear what God is speaking to them. And it's amazing that uh, had we not come together and pray, we would not be meeting together. Had we not come together to pray and to seek God and, and see that prayer is important for us and for our city, we would not even be together and we would not even know each other like we know right now. Now we know how to pray for one another. Now we know how to pray for our churches. Now we know how to pray for our region and to pray for our area. And what is interesting is the Lord began to speak to me about, about uh, you know, just how God redeems our time and God redeems uh, the, the things we go through. I love what C.S. Lewis said. 
uh, in his book, Reflections of the Psalms, this is what he said. Where we find difficulty, we may always expect that a discovery awaits us. In other words, what is he saying? Whenever you go through a difficult situation, you're about to discover something cool about God. Isn't that right? When you go through a trial, you'll always learn something about God. Every difficulty helps you learn something, discover. Look, every trial is a discovery waiting for you to know and to see and to have. In other words, how does, you know, you think about that, and and I brought up to you the ticket to Seattle. Why was that important? Why, Why was that important? Why was that? Because it was interesting. Because had I not prayed and heard God to go, I never would have walked in the chop, and I never would... Listen, I made friendships that I never thought that I would have. I, I met a pastor friend, by the, a black fellow by the name of Deshaun. He was my prayer partner when we went in the chop. And when we went in the chop, we went in the chop, and one night we were ministering to a prostitute who was the daughter of a pastor. Listen, y'all, listen. She was the daughter of a pastor who had been violated by a youth pastor who left the church 15 years earlier, she became addicted to drugs, and now she prostitutes herself in order to meet her habits. And here, me and LaShawn is ministering to her, and he says something very powerful to her. He says, did you ever think, she says, I pray God doesn't hear me, God doesn't love me. In other words, she's just throwing a prayer up every once in a while. And, and I love what LaShawn said. He said, let me ask you something. Do you think that God would speak to a pastor in Madison, Indiana to get on a plane and come to CHOP and would speak to me who lives in southern Washington to come to CHOP, that we would be together, we would walk together, come here, pick you out, come and stand by you to share Jesus with you because you come from a family that knows and loves God Do you not think that your parents have prayed for you? Do you not think that that there have been people that have been lifting up your name? Do you not think that we might be an answer of prayer to your life? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because why? Because prayer can make a difference. Because prayer does what? It'll allow you to go places you would never go. It'll allow you to meet people you would never meet. It'll allow you and open doors for you that you never thought would be open to your life. Prayer literally will touch a world through you if you'll just pray and ask God. Isn't that amazing? It blew my mind. Last year when we were on vacation, we were on vacation, and I had been reading a, uh, I had been reading a book on, on racism and racial tension, and really it was about the life of some of the civil rights leaders, and, and I just, because of things going, and I had been reading that, and I was part of the way through it, and we went on vacation, and as we are driving on vacation, we are coming through Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Alabama, and I'm sitting here, and as I'm there, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to my heart, because I had been praying about race, I've been praying about uh, uh, all these things, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to my heart and says the 16th Baptist church that was bombed in 1957, right? 50, 57, 1957 is that church is here 
uh, in Birmingham, and I had just been reading about it. I'd just been reading about the four girls that were killed and the one that survived, and I thought, that church is here. And I said to those that were with me, I said, hey, let's go find that church. I mean, that's a crazy thing to say on vacation, right? But the Spirit of God was speaking to me. And so we turned around and we found it on the map. Matter of fact, it was just like a couple of exits ahead of where we were headed. Isn't that amazing how God directs? We get off the exit. I think we go a mile and a half, turn right, go down one street, a mile and a half. And we show up at the church. And when we get there at the church, they are having a 55-year anniversary or something like that. It might have been longer, 75, something. They're having an a anniversary of the, of the, matter of fact, the it was the day, that day was the day that it happened. I didn't even know it was the date. And we showed up and they're having this massive anniversary. We get there and there's hundreds of people there. And they're all black. And here comes these four white folks walking up. And I said, we got to get flowers. So we run down, we grab flowers at the, at the flower shop, we run back down, we lay flowers at the memorial that's there, and as soon as we lay the flowers down, the church service, which was going on, had let out, and all them people came out. The news was there, the TV, you know, they, weren't they? Is that, am I telling you the truth? They were there, and the, the one surviving lady, I think her name was Collins, Sarah Collins, I think was her name, and she uh, was over there, and they were taking pictures of her. The news media was interviewing her, and I'm like, this is amazing. I just saw this. I'm just, I mean, I was just, I mean, and so I just jumped up there, and I said, hey, can I have my picture taken with you? And she's like, what's this crazy white boy want <laughs> with a picture of me? And uh, there was probably a handful. I, we weren't the only white people. There was like six or seven, but there, <laughs> but there was a few. And so I got my picture taken with her. And you know, I, I, I thought about that. I thought, you know, God knows our hearts. God knows how to teach us to pray. And listen, when you pray, you widen your boundaries. You widen your zip code. You widen your geography. And you widen your relationships. When we don't see that prayer is important in our world, what happens is our world gets smaller and smaller, and life becomes all about you. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> In other words, you miss the rest of what God is doing. You miss the rest of what God is doing. You miss what God is doing. You miss what I want to be somebody that God will take me places I've never been. I want to be somebody God will let me meet people I've never met. I want God to open doors in my life that have never been opened to me in all my life. I want him to do it for you. I want him to do it for this church. I want him to do it for our lives. But we have to understand why we pray. We pray for direction. Number two, we pray because of God's availability. We pray because God's availability. Don't underestimate spontaneous prayer. As I have a preacher friend, he says it like this. Sometimes you just got to throw one up to God. That's what he says. Sometimes you got to throw one up to God. In other words, in this chapter, we see two kinds of prayer. I told you there's, there's the spontaneous prayer. There's the traditional prayer. There's the prayer at the ninth hour, which was the 3 p.m., which all Jews prayed. There was the, the sixth hour prayer, which was noon, which just Peter was just had time, so he started to pray. 
One is scheduled, one is not. Peter's prayer is spontaneous, but both of them equally were important. Peter, and so the available, here's what it tells us. Peter prays at sixth hour of the day. Cornelius prays at the ninth hour. We know what that tells us? It tells us that God is available not just on Sunday, not just on Thursday, just not at 9 a.m. prayer and Wednesday night prayer, that God is available all the time. Aren't you glad God's always available? He's available at work. He's available on a plane, on a train, in your car. He's available at Walmart. He's available at midnight, at 3 a.m. He's available at the hospital, on your job, at school. How many know he is always available? Thank God he's not just a ninth hour of the day God. Thank God heaven is just not open from 10 a.m. on Sunday to noon when we gather together. But God is always available. And sometimes even the prayers you just throw up to God spontaneously is just as important as an appointed time that you set to pray and do devotion every day. You know, I know that because God gave a vision on a prayer that was just thrown up. And God gave a vision on a prayer that was timely that Cornelius did every day. It tells us that God's always available. God is always, how does that look for us? I'll tell you how it looks for us in our, our lives. It's amazing to me because sometimes I'll drive through this city and I'll drive some, by some place that somebody at our church works at and I'll say, Lord, bless so-and-so today as they work at Walmart. Bless them, give them favor a matter of fact, God, would you double their pay today? And I begin to pray. I drive by men in our church who have businesses in this town and connection to businesses. I will drive by and I'll say, God, when those doors open today, let the power of the Holy Spirit draw every customer in that business that could walk in. Sometimes I'll drive by a house or one of your homes or, or, or an area and, 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 and you'll come up before me in prayer. And sometimes you just throw one up. How many know that can work just as much as just a, t a daily time of prayer? Let me tell you how God works. Usually if somebody is on my heart and I pray for them and I lift them up, if I drive by like uh, a couple weeks ago, I drove through Carrollton and I was heading to Heritage and I drove by Nass. And I drove by there, and you know what I did? I prayed for Jeremy, and I prayed for Brian. I said, God, give them guys favor. I said, God, give them strength, Lord. Let when they walk in the office, their bosses will love them just like they love everybody else. And I prayed for their company. God, let their company be strong. Let their, let their board of directors make wise decisions. I drove by Dow Corning, and I said, Lord, touch Jordan. Give him, give him the desires of his heart. But here's what happens. Sometimes when we pray and we do that, what happens is, you know how many times it's amazing how many times those individuals will text or call me? And I thought, wow, I just prayed for you. And they'll call or text or they'll, they'll, they'll say, hey, this, or they'll just call me or out of the blue. Or I'll, or I'll be walking in Kroger and I'll see them. And I'll say, but you were just on my heart. I was just thinking about you. You, you, you think that's a coincidence? That's not a coincidence. That's a godsidence. Why is that? Because when you pray for people, now God engages you to be able to minister to their life. Because when you pray for people, God will use you to help supply 
and to be the conduit that he uses in order to touch their life. It's not an accident. It's a God-sedence. In other words, it's what God does. Thomas Keating said this, the only way to fail in prayer is to not show up. The only way to fail in prayer is not do it. Now I've got to hurry. I'm going to finish. Number three, the third word that I gave you was the word refreshment. Prayer is a reboot, and it helps you see with fresh eyes. Prayer is a reboot, and it helps you see with fresh eyes. Now, my wife, when I met her, she wore a perfume that was called opium. And I fell in love with her because she wore opium. She didn't just have the perfume. She had the body wash. Oh, it was a body moisturizer. Okay. All right, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. All right. She had moisturizer that was opium. And in the summertime, she'd put that moisturizer on, and she'd get in my car, and I'd be like, oh, my God. She smells so good. And I fell in love with opium. I always wanted her to wear opium. And so as the years went on, she wanted to try different fragrances and different kinds of fragrances. And, and she'd be like, hey, you know, I'd be at the shoe store or something. She'd say, hey, come over to Alta. I want you to smell this because I'm thinking about buying it. I want to put it on. I want to see what you think. I said, no, opium, opium, opium. <laughs> and she's tried white shoulders, and she's tried a couple of different... See, I know my perfumes, y'all. <laughs> opium. If you want to get her a gift, opium. It's about $95 a bottle. Is that crazy? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And so uh, she's in Alta one day. Y'all know what Alta is. All you men who don't know what Alta is, it's the place your wife goes to buy perfume. And we walked in, and all them ladies are dressed in white coats like doctors. Right? It looks like you're walking in. All, everything's white. It's like walking into an emergency room. And uh, she's over there with the perfumes, and she's like, you know, try this. You know, she sprays it on the little thing or on her arm. She's like, sniff that, and I'll sniff that, and she'll try this. And you sniff. Well, after a couple sniffs, I'm like, you know, they all, say, they all smell like the forest. I don't, I, you know, I don't, they all smell the same. They all smell the same. You know, I, I can't tell the difference, you know. Smell, you know, try. And so, and, and so the lady in the white coat, you know, the doctor, the, the you know, the, the chemist, the, the, uh, the <laughs> she comes over and she says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. And she says, here, smell this, smell these coffee beans. And she puts these coffee beans in my nose. Now, I love coffee. I'm like, oh, new perfume? No, no, no. She's like, smell it. And so I smell the coffee beans. And then I smell whatever she's trying on. I go, oh, mm, that's, that's fruity. And, and she'll be, smell the coffee beans. And smell that. And say, oh, well, that's, that's spice. And mm, smell that. Oh, that's nice. And so every time I smell the coffee beans, the reason why I was able to smell the different fragrances was because every time I smelled the beans, I was rebooting my palate. My palate was being refreshed. My palate was being, so I could smell what was authentic. I could smell what was real. And I wasn't just boggled up and just smelling and not knowing what I was smelling. Those coffee beans helped reboot my palate. Listen, 
What prayer does to your life is, why you pray, is because God reboots you. And every time you pray, you get a whiff of heaven. And you're able to see with the eyes that God sees. You're able to see things as they are. You can tell the forest from the trees. You can tell what God is doing. You can see what God is doing in the earth. You can know what God is speaking. You can know what God wants to say. In other words, it, it, listen, prayer resets your soul to see the things like God sees them. Everything is, in other words, when you don't pray, everything's the same. Everything's the same. You don't see anything. But when you pray, God will let you see value in people. When you pray, God will let you see things that only he sees when you pray, see, Peter, if Peter, listen, if Peter had not prayed, would Peter have answered the door when those men showed up at his house? Cornelius prayed. He sent those men. They came 17 miles. They knocked on the door of Peter. And Peter would have sat down and ate his granola bar or ate his, or ate his uh, uh, whatever it was for lunch and did not throw a prayer up, would he have answered the door? No, he wouldn't have answered the door. And what would have happened? He would have missed what God was doing because he wasn't seeing like God was seeing. He would have never had the vision where God gave him permission to go into a deeper relationship and be able to touch a nation and be able to touch a group of people that God had not touched yet. Why? Because he was able to go someplace he'd never gone. He was able to meet people he had never met, and he was able to walk through doors that would never have been open had he not prayed. I'm going to close with this tonight. And you say, and, and, and I ask you that question, does, does Peter, did Peter really, I mean, had he not prayed? Look, he tells you the answer to that question. Look at verse 28 of Acts 10. Look what he says. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one another, to go to one of another nation. Right? That's where Peter was. But look what it said. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent. I, I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? Or for me. Why have you sent for me? And Cornelius said. See, what did he do? All of a sudden now Peter was not looking through the eyes of a Jew. He wasn't looking through the eyes of a man. He was looking through the eyes of God. And he obeyed God. And he said, once God showed me, I obeyed immediately. Prayer will open your eyes to see things as God sees them. Right? And if you don't pray, then you don't see things, you don't see the value of a tent meeting. You don't see the value of hope over heroin. You don't see the value of embrace grace or mommies or joy night or sowing into Israel or giving to children's ministry or, 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 or harvest night or coming to church on Thursday nights or supporting missions. Or supporting the mission of hope. If you never pray, you never see the value of those things. You never see them like God sees them. And as he said, therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent. 
In other words, Peter doesn't see those messengers as Gentiles, but as a part of God's plan for his day. Wow. Man, I don't know about you, but that changes me. Adam, if you'll come. I want to leave you with this. I want to read to you a story. I read an article not too long ago. You can look the article up if you want to read it you know, more intently. And uh, the, na- the article, the name of the article was called The Almost Impossible Mission. And it was in the Wall Street Journal. And it was written... And the tagline at the top of the article said this. It said, 8,000 miles of nonstop flight to save a soldier's life. It was an interesting article. It was called The Almost Mission, The Almost Impossible Mission. Not long ago, President Trump was over trying to negotiate. If you remember, he was in Afghanistan trying to negotiate with the Taliban. And those talks had broke down. As soon as those talks had broke down... There were several uh, suicide bombs that were released and went off uh, in the surrounding areas. And immediately some of our soldiers were in danger. And what happened was one of our soldiers was critically injured in one of those suicide bombs. Now, I want you to get the article said that, listen to this, there was three military aircrafts, 18 medical personnel, personnel doctors, 2,400 gallons of jet fuel, 25 gallons of blood donated by 100 soldiers to get to the place where this soldier who had been, uh, uh, who had been attacked and had been wounded by a suicide bomber, and they called the mission Reach 797. Now that was what was all involved. In order for that soldier to survive. What happened was, is the plane took off from Dover, Delaware, flew to Afghanistan, 8,000 miles, or flew to Afghanistan, picked the soldier up, picked the soldier up with 18 personnel, 18 doctors, on the flight, come back, refueled in midair over the Atlantic, and refueled again in midair over Maine, not stopping, flew all the way to San Antonio, Texas, to the Brooks Medical Hospital to save that soldier's life. Isn't that amazing? I love America. Only America would do that. Only America would send a plane 8,000 miles, 18 doctors, 100 soldiers giving blood, 25 gallons of blood, 2,400 gallons of fuel, three military planes, just so the healing of one soldier could take place. Isn't that amazing? And I thought to myself, it costs something for life. Life costs something. Prayer costs something. Prayer costs you something. It costs me something. Most of all, it costs our time. We've been in a 40-day Prayer and fasting. And what it's done is it's cost you something to pray. It's cost you time. It's cost you to get up earlier, 15 minutes earlier to pray. It's cost you, you know, time to spend in the Word instead of watching TV or doing whatever you normally do. It's cost you, if you're fasting with us and praying with us, it's cost you putting aside certain things so that you could 
Say, God, I'm giving this up that I might be more sensitive to your spirit and hear you. Y'all don't know how bad I want a cheeseburger. Y'all don't know how bad I want a steak. I could eat the hind legs of an African water buffalo right now if he was in this room. (laughs) That's how much I want meat. (laughs) I'll settle for a rabbit, but hey. So it'll cost you time. But here's the thing. We look always at what it costs us. But have you ever thought what it costs God so that you can pray? You ever thought that the price that you pay, the small price that you pay, you ever thought of what it cost him to give you the opportunity to talk to God? You ever think that just as there was an 8,000-mile journey to save that soldier, that God sent his son from heaven to this earth on a journey so that he could come and die for men and die for you on the cross so that you could pray to God? So that you could talk? Do you realize if Jesus had not come, you would not even be able to talk to God? You ever think about what it cost him? His son, the nonstop journey to the cross and the blood of Jesus. A hundred men lined up and gave their blood so that this soldier could live. Wow. I mean, 25 gallons of blood. You know what that's? I mean, do you know how much blood that the Son of God spilled for you and I? You think those soldiers' blood was precious. How about the precious blood of Jesus that spilled out on Calvary that gave you and I the opportunity to even pray? It cost God everything. He came and he saved all of humanity. That journey saved one soldier. But Jesus' journey saved all of humanity. It wasn't just one life. It was all of human life. Prayer that changes everything. His journey to us. He made a journey to us so that one day when we die, we can make a journey to him. That's a heavy price to pay. So next time that you gather in prayer, remember that your prayer costs something. It's not just costing your time. It's not just costing a trip to San Antonio. It is costing the Savior, to go to the cross for us. Stand with me if you would. And the truth is, it costs Jesus everything. Why do we pray? We pray because we need direction in our life. We pray because we need God to give us direction. And many of us may have missed the direction of God because we failed to prayer. We need to understand that God's available to us. We can't underestimate spontaneous prayer. The Holy Spirit leads you to pray for someone in the morning or afternoon. Man, drop everything you're doing and pray for that person. Sometimes you just feel, sometimes I just feel like I just need to walk out of my office and get in a car and go sit somewhere and just spend some time in prayer because I know the Holy Spirit is drawing me there. And every once in a while, I just got to throw one up. Sometimes you just got to throw one up for somebody. Sometimes you just got an emergency prayer. You got to throw prayer up for people that are in crisis. 
And we have to understand that God gives us direction. God gives us availability. We have to understand that God is a God that answers our prayer. He, he wants to hear us pray. He wants to hear you pray. But guess what? When you pray, he refreshes your spiritual palate. Now you see things like God sees them. You see them with God's eyes. You got to smell the coffee beans every once in a while. You got to smell. Let God reboot you. Let God speak something fresh and new in your life. Let the refreshment of the Holy Spirit come, renew you, and strengthen you. And so I just want to encourage you to know that God is available, to know that He wants to refresh you. I want to tell you, CHOP was very important in my life because I saw things prophetically that I'll never forget. I made two pastor friends that have become very dear to me right now. Brian Gibson has become one of my best friends. I mean, I just... God has opened doors for relationship with him and relationship with others. And LaShawn, my big black friend, we text all the time. He's heartbroken over all these racial issues. And I never would have got to go or do, never would have got to sit in California with churches that are not able to be open and feel the empathy of what they're going through. And then to sit and pray, God gave me the eyes to see Things from their perspective. Even in Black Lives Matter, when we was in all that mess, to see that community and to see how even some of them, there's a legitimate hurt there. God, give me the eyes. Put your hand on your heart tonight. We're going to pray as we dismiss. And I'm just going to pray that God will give you the why of prayer. That God will, that prayer will be the element of the change in your life. Father, I just pray for each one that's in this room. I pray, God, you help us to understand the value of prayer, the value of coming before you. God, without prayer, I know my life would be a mess. I know the battles I have now even when I pray, let alone what it would be like without you. And Lord, I just speak direction into everybody in this room's life. I pray that whether they're at a time of prayer, or whether they're just throwing one up, whether they're doing a nine, ninth-hour prayer or, or a sixth-hour prayer, I just pray that whatever it is, God, you'd show them direction. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will, you will show them. Let them never underestimate the fact that you're always available. And I pray my prayer tonight is, is that everyone in this room will always be refreshed by prayer. Let us see what Jesus sees. Let us look out at Madison and see it like Jesus sees it. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.